Yo, welcome to the Zillionaires Podcast, where we mainly talk about Seattle-related sports topics and other things as well. I'm your host and moderator, Solo, from Brooklyn. What up, what up, y'all? This is Chisler from Seattle, Washington. They call me the Wizard of Washington Sports. That means every night I gaze into my crystal ball so I can tell you the future of what's going down. What's up, guys? This is Krusty from Yakima. I wear my fandom on my sleeve. I get crazy, I get emotional, and I like to throw down ultimatums. Let's have some fun. Hey, so we're back. Episode five. I believe five, right? I can't. I mean, seriously, this is like, we're actually doing this. This is like half of a real season. This is like, yeah. We're past the pilot phase. We're, we're done sorting out who's on the offensive line, and now we are officially, officially game ready. We've no, got Chisler if, if, going from his blogging <laughs> world to like now he's instead of just being a, a web designer, he's now a blogger. Just like the Seahawks of offensive line, it's perfect. If we're the if we're the Seahawks, our offensive line isn't figured out until episode fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and we and we are done after episode sixteen, and, right? And, and, we'll, and we'll have and we'll have rotated in like seven other new. Hosts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm probably playing and filling in at some point, no doubt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, and yeah. if you, for, for those of you who noticed, there's a new person out here. We have a guest, uh, Centaur from Spokane. Say hey. Thanks for having me, guys. Always a good time hanging with you, jabronis. <laughs> Do you know anything about Seattle sports and Centaur's, thing, other Centaur's part like of that? the crew? <laughs> I'm, I'm just gonna, stuff like that. No, I'm just gonna follow your lead and just wing it. Just. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, let me introduce myself. I'm Chisler, the Wizard of Washington Sports, <laughs> and every it's night in I look intro. into my Get crystal ball. <laughs> <laughs> Or shall I say my glass Every of whiskey? Night, he, <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I'm, psyched, I'm psyched <laughs> up for this episode. We, <clears throat> we have a great topic tonight, and I have been YouTubing like crazy for the last hour. And talk about getting amped up. This is a topic that gets you, as a fan, incredibly excited. Like This so, is so what, this is what being a fan is all about. So yeah, what, let's lay it on us. I gotta preface this by saying, like, the last episode... I mean, we ended kind of on a kind of an uplifting note, talking about the Mariners were at 500, but they are again back to struggling again with more injuries. So that just kind of depressed me. I decided today let's let's have some fun for real and talk about some good stuff and not just the weak draft that we all agreed. Oh, sorry, Krusty thought it was the greatest draft of all time. <laughs> my bad. It was. <laughs> Which maybe we can go back on again, but um, I thought we'd talk about our favorite Seahawk play of all time or moment. And, you know, I said it could be possibly a game, but I'm more interested in like a play. What moment happened to you? What was the one thing you can think back and uh, think back and have fond memories of? Um, I did the same thing, Chisler. I went and uh, I kind of like YouTube to some of these old moments and I got so jacked up and it's rare that I do that. Who, who goes back and watches old plays? I do. Um, I do obsessively. Dude, apparently there's a whole army of people that just make highlight video after highlight <laughs> yes, video. Dude. <laughs> I know, there were some insane. highlights. There were some <laughs> highlights in some of these videos that were seriously mid-season, not game-changing, just a regular catch or a regular hit. Yep, yep, so, yep, like, yep. I'm, I'm sure there's an army of YouTubers who are out there just making a video after every game. Like, oh, that game was incredible. I gotta make a little. Quick video to show how re- recap it all. I don't know. God. Well, then there's an army. Also, of, there's also, an army of crusties watching them after every game. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, Krusty, while you're talking, <laughs> let's let's start with you. What was your fi- what's your favorite moment? Wait, hold up. Walter Jones block. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Walter Stole Jones Stole Chisler's block in the fourth quarter that no one else saw. No. Um, it's not even on video. It's not even on YouTube. <laughs> You're just going to have to explain it to us, and we'll have to follow the video. <laughs> exactly. Uh, no, you know, this one was, as you guys know, this was so hard for me. I, there's a hundred <laughs> that I want to talk about. I could talk for, I could do seven episodes on this topic. Um but I boiled it down to, to, to three, and that's that's as low as I could go. 
So, and they're three very different things. Only, only two are. We just want one. I know. Well, one, one is the the biggest or the most interesting, cool Seahawks like fan moment I've ever had, okay. and that was going back to the fail Mary. I watched Ooh. the Golden Tate fail Mary catch, dressed head to toe in Seahawks gear in Green Bay, Wisconsin, in the biggest Packer bar in that city, and I was out of my mind the bartender at one time looked at me and told me she was going to charge me double for everything i drank that day uh because i was being (laughs) such an asshole fan but living in green bay and how much i had to listen to green bay horse manure all the time from every inch of every single human being in the city uh it was oh it was just one of the best moments of my life and such so you were you were surrounded by cheese heads 100%. 100%. You were I was the 100% only off your rocker. In the building. Yeah. You were 100% were toasted. You? You've got a full oh, on. I was loud. I was insane. Yeah. Oh, I thought I was going to get killed. And it was yeah. so. No you way, probably Christy. had twice as much volume it. as you do on this podcast normally. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I can only imagine that. I, you know, I, I feel like we're lucky to see see you here today. Yeah. I'm surprised. I'm surprised you weren't beat down in the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> Number two for me was uh, I think the greatest moment for the fans as a whole at the stadium, and that was uh, 2005 Giants in Seattle. Eleven false starts for the Giants. One guy number set. One guy number seventy-seven had five false starts, <laughs> and he had and he had three in three plays, three in a row. What was and his name? I, just, uh, I don't remember his name. Uh, oh, okay. But but the I think it was kind of the game that the twelves were like nationally relevant and dominant, and like it launched us as I, and we was already a loud, amazing fan base for a long time. But it kind of made everyone stick because it was just so Put the insane. Spot, national spotlight on the twelves a bit. Yeah, it was. It I think so. So that that game was so cool and it was so fun to just the fans started reacting. You know, when it got to like seven false starts, well, then at eight the the crowd lost their mind. You know, like they lost their <laughs> mind when the eighth one and ninth one and tenth one. It was amazing. Oh, that's amazing. That's cool. Well, and Eli Manning too because. You know, yeah. that many false starts. He takes his helmet off, marching back yeah. to the sidelines. <laughs> yeah. yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. And just and just and just serving up the crowd every like attitude and body language that they wanted and they were just just mm-hmm. killing him. Just oh, killing yeah. him. So that was such an incredible one. That's cool that like a big stadium of fans can have a collective mind and play a collective mind game on one person's mind. Yeah, and we've done it. We've done it to so many different guys, you know? They've done that to Colin Kaepernick many times. Yeah, just broken them. You can see just it. Just mentally broken them, you know? And and even, and this is maybe the most insane example of that, I'm getting sidetracked here, but is what they did to Peyton Manning in the Super Bowl. That was a Seahawk crowd. And they were loud as shit. And they broke Peyton Manning. He was he was first snap. Broken. Yeah. First snap. It was long. That well, was awesome. that was actually well, yeah. one of my favorite plays of all time. Was that they first broke snap. the center, they broke Demarius Thomas, yeah, you know, yeah, you got scared everybody. going over the middle. I mean, they were yeah. all broken. So obviously the Super Bowl should be everyone's face. So I kind of separated the Super Bowl a little bit for me because it is kind of the obvious amazingness. Maybe one of you guys will jump in it. But for me, the game before, in the NFC Championship game, this is the best play ever for me. I I was crying, I think, when this play happened. And that was the 90-yard Cam Chancellor interception return for a touchdown in the NFC Championship. That was so good. That put away... They beat Carolina. The Panthers, thir- yeah. They beat Carolina thirty-one to ten, and that that score I think made it twenty-eight. And it just like it buried them, like it broke them. They gave up after that. It was the end of the game, and it was dominant. And he was fast, and at the end he was just running by pumping his arms. I know. He was just yeah. doing that. Oh, the yeah. just, at the end. It was yeah. The bam, <laughs> bam. So I mean, good. it was just, and he was amazing in that whole game. And and at that time. Other than the 49ers, I've never disliked a team as much as that Panthers team. I hated <laughs> that Panthers team. And the whole yeah. country had picked uh, the Panthers to win that game. Everyone was picking the Panthers. To win. All right, all right. I li- all I'm right, going to jump in good. here. A little couple of your themes stood out to me. And, and they were themes when I was looking over some of my favorite plays. And they were these, <clears throat> these plays that I feel like broke the other team. 
and not just broke them momentarily, ended up either destroying their season or destroying their franchise for years, you know? <laughs> oh, you're, like, I, you're I talking feel, about I feel the, like, the crab tree. I feel like Pete Carroll era Seahawks have broken the spirit of many teams and made them yes. rethink who's their quarterback, who's their coach, what's their strategy, and how are they going to compete next year? And just teams go to the drawing board after we beat them sometimes and they just can't they can't draw it up. They can't draw it up. And that is like that's the coolest facet of being a Seahawk fan in this era, I think right now, is just to see the like the dominance turn into just pure frustration from the other side. Do you feel like the, this is going to continue on? I mean, I felt like last year the defense wasn't quite as strong as they were in the past. Oh, do you think Centaur? Couldn't agree more. Um, and I, my hope is is that the influx of talent in the draft and the youth in the draft will will help with some of that. It was a depth issue more than anything last year. You know, there were injuries. injuries. Yeah. You know, secondary was banged up. They needed more um, more guys in the rotation on the D line. I think they've at least tried to address it. We'll have to see, wait until training camp to see how it plays out. But, Solo, going to your initial question, play that most stands out as a Seahawks fan, and Krusty took it to game, and, you know, talk about three games. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Get used to that. Get used yeah. to that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this, this is, yeah. And you touched on it, that, you know, the, the Crabtree, Crabtree play, <clears throat> NFC Championship, you had a couple aspects to that. You had one just uh, an incredible feat of athleticism. Sherman just getting the tip of a finger on the ball, um, deflecting it to a teammate, interception, and then the ramifications of that game, clinching a Super Bowl berth. I mean, so you had, you know, just that play in isolation. It was an incredible play in and of itself. For sure, for sure. And then what it actually meant for the franchise, um, I just don't think you'll find a better play that uh, stands out in Seahawks Right? Are you saying that's your favorite play? That is. Yeah, because you're right. You know what? A lot of people would say that play in that game might have been more important than the Super Bowl, in fact, because the Super Bowl was such a landslide, but that particular game was just a fist fight, just a straight up fist fight. And that we, we got, we birthed Richard Sherman, the WWE superstar, yeah. basically. And the, and, yeah. the, and the NFL films of that game and of that play adds to the lore of it so much because they show him on the sideline calling mm. it. He says, they're going to try me. They're going to come to like, me. Yeah. Like two plays before that, he says, they're going to try me and I'm going to capitalize and then boom, you know it made that. Who was that, there in the end zone I mean, to catch that one? Was that Earl or was it uh, <clears throat> Earl. No, Malcolm? Uh, no, no. It was linebacker. Yeah, it was Malcolm. Ma- Malcolm Smith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Malcolm MVP Smith. of the Super Bowl. Yeah, dude, yeah. so incredible, incredible. And well, that also that play single handedly did ruin the. I mean, the 49ers were never the same after that play. Well, to, that, to, right then, to go back to ruined. Yeah. yeah, to go well, back to season of Crabtree. To go back to Chisler's point of us breaking teams, there was that crazy run, I think the season before and that season of the Super Bowl win, where every single team we beat lost the next game too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't remember how many games it was, but it was a ton. Like, it was yeah. a lot of games. I feel like that's still a pattern. If we want to talk about today versus a year or two or three years ago, I feel like that's still a pattern. <clears throat> we still have these games that just break these guys' bodies down to the point where they can't play the next game with the same intensity. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what if that how much that happened last year. I didn't pay attention to it last year. I feel like we've we've destroyed the Cardinals, we've destroyed the 49ers, we've definitely destroyed the Vikings. Dude, we uh, broke Carolina. We broke Carolina for sure. One of my plays was um Sherman's INT where he ran it back on Matt Schaub oh, and he Texans. lost his lost oh, his shoes yes. lost his and shoe. it was like two yes. minutes to oh, go. That was amazing. The final completed play, the you know? comeback. Yeah, yeah, totally completed. Was the that comeback. the first then they game fired of the season? Matt Schaub or they benched him and he like his career was done. <laughs> oh man, no, that was you know a, he had it. That was a playoff game. No, it was like no. no. Where it was to make the playoffs. It, it was, was like a regular week, season. No, it was like game. week three or something. Oh, I it thought, was really. I thought no, that was, was, was playing fact-checking music solo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> First of all, 
you know, Shab, I remember that game. I was in Seattle or Seattle. I was in New York at that bar. There's a bar here called uh, Carlos East. It's on the Upper East Side, and they um, played strictly. It's a Seahawks-themed bar. It's crazy. They got a flag in there, and it's all Seahawks fans. Nice. And it's just as loud in there as it is in the stadium. I mean, I've never been to a game, but it's it's amazing how much these fans are fired up, and it's pretty fun. So I've been to a few games, and I remember watching that play, like, Everybody went crazy. This mm-hmm. bar blew up, and the best part about that bar is you get free green shots after every time they score a touchdown, <laughs> <laughs> and you end up giving high fives to like who knows who I was giving high fives to, but oh, it was man. like hundreds of high fives to random people. <laughs> um, but I remember that game specifically because I believe Shab was having an incredible game. Like he was hitting everybody on the numbers. It was just like he was unstoppable, and then he just blows it at the end. That was his problem, right? He'd be really good, right. and then he had one interception, and they just ruin the whole game, <laughs> ruin all your confidence. But can I get into my actual favorite? Play? Wait, yes. Oh, uh, all right, let's let's get into your it's, three it's, favorite plays. Yeah, my fourteen favorite plays. <laughs> it's actually it's it's kind of sad, but because it doesn't involve. <clears throat> Russell Wilson, it's not an incredible defensive stand. It's not, it doesn't have Sherman, my favorite player, but it changed the media landscape for Seattle. And I think it kind of, it put something in the crowd in the 12s that I think still is there. Um, It was the seed that was planted after Carroll came just decimated our lineup, just traded everybody, threw everybody aside, got all these new players, and uh, brought in Marshawn Lynch. Come on, you guys. Marshawn Lynch's Beast Quake has got to be be the best play ever in Seahawks history. It's absolutely incredible to watch. It puts so much fire in your bones that you want to go run outside and tackle every tree punch every person you see and just <laughs> rip open every, you know, car door and just, just pit. you're just the Hulk. As soon as you watch that play, you become the Hulk, you become beast mode. And the fact that he could just rumble through and the commentary that was live yeah. from that dude, that announcer so was so hilarious. Yeah. Get off me, Terry Porter, he yeah. said. Yeah. <laughs> Although I will, I will say, Chisler, that it, from a purely football standpoint, from like a player, oh, yeah, they screwed it the, all the up. The Beast Quake Two <laughs> against Arizona was a more Not as good as Walter run. Jones. Like the Beast Quake Two against Arizona oh, was a better. It can't be more. Run. It can't be more, but it uh, it was it was a great run as well. But come on, don't, it just, it don't steal my thunder. It wasn't, it wasn't I'm about to I'm about to ejaculate here on my description, <laughs> and you just totally <laughs> cold showered me there. <laughs> yeah, Christy's like blue ball he's again. like you know what? That's all right. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not a such a beast quake. Oh, I come agree on. with you. I agree with you. It was the incredible. ground it was just... shook because the freaking stadium was jumping oh, up so, so high. Good. And there's know, like documentaries just on that play alone. Uh, <laughs> it still there is. brings like oh, five documentaries. It still He's brings goosebumps if you re- if you watch it, man. Well, I was gonna say that if I, because actually I did have that in mind because I have another play that I that I really like. But my second favorite play was actually Beast Quake Two um, against Arizona. I checked it. I watched it again tonight. That one is. They're both incredible runs. I mean, it's hard to really. They, they're yeah, very too. He too, does really. that double. He like somehow yeah. stiff arms two people at once. That was yeah. really incredible. Part just of that. throws them off. Yeah. But then like, and then the very end, to jump over the the end zone line and looking oh back and ball grab. Come on, yeah. that's just yeah. that's <laughs> classic. It changed, and then like really what? in the first Beast Quake, didn't somebody like come up and like hit him on the ass, and it started the whole he has to do the handshake thing from then on because he was like doesn't want anybody hitting his Yeah, hitting his handshake thing anymore. was always kind of weird. I think he just, yeah, I think he, he was just, so beat up. Hood, he was dude. like, "Don't jump on me, Jesus!" Did you see what yeah, I yeah. did? My <laughs> back yeah, hurts, dude. It has yeah. so much swag. It has so much style. Yeah. It had so much like just incredible. Um, his balance is something that's always been um, a keen feature for me to watch because I feel like Marshawn Lynch has the ability to balance on one leg better than any running back I'd ever seen before. He can be like from leg to leg as he's running, he has 
incredible amount of balance on each leg as he's moving forward. I just, I just don't even get it. And he really shows it off in those runs for sure. So let's. Well, he's really centaur. Centaur. Who do you think? Him or or for that for what Chisler just said? The one leg balance. Him or Barry Sanders? Oh, it's Sanders all the way. I mean, that's what he's known for. But he was a ballerina. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's balance. But I'm saying like balance with power. I guess maybe it's not the power. Not not the power. He's like balancing and. Breaking tackles where Barry yeah, yeah, was yeah, 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 Barry yeah. was dancing and, and he was, was so low dancing. to the ground. Yeah. He yeah. you know, he was like five one. Let's yeah. let's just examine those two plays. Beast Quake and then the Sherman tip. Because one, both iconic Seahawks. Yep. Both plays launched their you know media person personas you know yeah Beast individual celebrities became a thing sherman became yeah. who he was <clears throat> based on those Correct. plays true huge true. you know huge playoff single-handedly won playoff games you know yeah, one but- was just the opening game against new orleans the other obviously <clears throat> nfc championship i mean can you ask for anything more I mean, no. They're clutch. That's what yeah. is so great about the Hawks, like in the last three years. And that's why it is a shame that Russ <clears> isn't on her last five years, let's say. It's a shame that Russ isn't on our list because his clutch play is really the catalyst that we've all come to, you know, count on and believe in and have faith in and all that stuff. So I feel like he's got a, he's instrumental in all that. Conversation so, too. So, what's your first favorite? Yeah, I haven't gone yet actually, yeah, but so get in there. it is funny though because I, I love that you brought that up, Centaur, because uh, your play was incredible. Obviously, it's, it's legendary, and Chisler's had a lot. But then I can't even remember what Krusty said earlier about his favorite players. But <laughs> <other> plays, um, <laughs> they were pointless, right? <laughs> No, he was talking about some Brino Giacomini uh, hole. Yeah. <laughs> uh, J.R. Sweezy, Sweezy clip block. He brought it yeah. back to that Dave Craig fumble. <laughs> no, his uh, favorite play was because of how he felt. It had nothing to do with the actual play. It was like where hey, he was. What, what is a favorite? What it is was a the favorite? Ref's my favorite a restaurant yeah. is because it makes my tummy happy. <laughs> it's good. It's good. I had some good ribs that day. I had just the right buzz going. Yeah. <laughs> so I was going to say, okay, because this one was tough. And I got to say, it's fun because <clears throat> they have been so good the last five years, six years, that there is all these plays now that I can think of. I mean, all before that, I mean, was there any ever to think about, really? There was a couple. Um, you saw the highlight, right? That Romo fumble. That was pretty crazy. Oh, but I that's not that even too. our play. That's why I didn't <clears throat> pick it. It was their bad. <laughs> Yeah, it was yeah, there exactly. One, one, right before you give yours, I just and I because I don't think you're gonna go here, and I I didn't do this one because I figured someone else might. <laughs> but I do gotta say because you're talking about older, no, because it applies. Yeah, you, to the old, you're the it, you're the guy with the history. You got the history. It applies okay. to the older ones, our old stuff. When I when we were ten years old, so uh, for listener or wire one listener. Uh, Centaur also went to school with us, same town and everything, so we're the same age. When we were 10 years old, the very the, the game I watched on TV with my dad that made me love football was the um, oh, was the uh, <laughs> shit. Krusty, what, you were the, a ch- Chiefs fan. In, in, no, 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 listen, listen. You had Christian Poirier, like, Zuma's pants. No, I... <laughs> I loved, Shannon I, Sharp. Loved, I was a crazy giant fan of Derek Thomas after I watched him sack Dave Craig seven times in one game and set the NFL record. Yes, I was a big fan of Derek Thomas. But no, the game is the <coughs> Steve Largent revenge hit. Oh, okay. So, that's okay, that's so the hardest hit I've ever seen a wide receiver put on anyone ever. And so when, in the first game against, uh, against him, De- uh, was it? yeah, Denver, the linebacker hit uh, Largent with a cheap elbow and gave him a concussion and chipped two teeth. The linebacker <laughs> got fined like five, ten thousand bucks, something like that. Next time they're playing in Seattle, and uh, Dave Craig throws an interception in the end zone, and this this defender catches it, and he runs it out, and he makes it like 
50 yards or so. Yeah. And, and, and Steve Largent just destroys him. And the best part of the whole thing is there's a holding, so the interception didn't even count. Although he fumbled it and Largent recovered it. He laid him out and recovered the fumble, but it did none of it counted, and the Seahawks scored a touchdown on the next play. I did watch that clip just tonight, and it looked like Largent really gets in his face and trash talks. Oh, dude, like, which yeah, is like, dude. I don't even picture that guy. I mean, I, I picture him as being Mormon for some yeah. reason. Yeah, me too. I was just <laughs> gonna say, no, he, he looks is. like a librarian. <laughs> but, yeah, mm-hmm. I picture him walking up to people and saying, good game, nice. I enjoyed playing <laughs> with you. Can I get your you know, Jersey autographed or something after every game. But instead he was just like jawing at this guy oh. and standing over him. Like very, uh, yeah. Yeah. Isn't it funny right, how sorry. football's changed? Yeah. Go ahead. Solo. No, no, yeah, no, no, that's a good, that's a little bring that up. Cause I, like when I think of that era of football, it's like the pads were huge. <laughs> Everybody was slow. Like nobody was as fast as they are now. The, the, the whole this is the shape of the league has changed. The people look different. Well, They're they, smaller or something. They played on concrete, too. I mean, it was just like yeah. Yeah. turf on yeah. concrete. It was pure concussion ball is all it was, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and, and and broken shoulders. And yeah. <laughs> Did yeah. Paul Allen own the Seahawks back then? No, God, no. Mm-hmm. It was Ken Baring. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Wow. That's a fa- we don't even need a fact check. I had forgotten. <laughs> centaur. <laughs> I had forgotten how hard that field was, Centaur. You're right. The kingdom was was they were playing on a parking lot, <laughs> and oh. and no pads. Refs let anything go. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was concussion ball. You know. Yeah. Yeah. No no replays. I mean, people got screwed no all the time. I still remember. Yeah. Crazy. I. St- yeah, they didn't make any well, money anyway. either. What were they thinking? <laughs> they really know, must have man. had no other options. <laughs> they had All no right, Solo, what's your favorite? I can't wait oh, to hear this. Yeah, this play. is a lot of drama building up to this. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> it better deliver. The reason, actually, Krusty, I'm gonna have to say this is this is my play also because of personal reasons. So, it's the NFC Championship game against the Green Bay <laughs> when they went to their second World uh, Super Bowl. The onside kick recovery by Chris Matthews oh my God. was one of the most exciting moments, I believe, in my oh life God. watching Seahawks. Because of that game, I went and watched the whole highlights of that game. It was atrocious. I mean, interceptions, fumble recoveries. It was a horrible game on the Seahawks. Russ threw like could, four for, picks or five picks four or something? Picks. Four picks. I mean, they were down 16 to Four. To yeah. Four, I think six, actually, with like three minutes left. And I'm like, they actually won this game? I couldn't believe what I even watched in the highlights and the way the whole game led up to that. Uh, I remember I was here by myself. I know I had a friend over here. Verse was over here. And he like... Like he was like, it's over the whole second half. It's oh, over. Yeah. And I was like, no, nah, no. Nah. I was like, I was like Russell Wilson somehow. Like, no, I'm gonna. I believe they're gonna win. <laughs> and then, and I think after that, that when Curse had tipped that ball and there was an interception with like three or four minutes left, and Curse is all like on the sideline, all beat down. I I read somewhere, and this is a good fact checker, <laughs> that there was like a four or five percent chance that they were gonna win the game at yeah. that point. Yeah. And Green Bay kind of blew it. Like, he, he got the interception. He starts running, and he just goes to the ground. He yep. thought the game was over. And there's, like, five minutes left on the clock. And really on that um, same play, it was – I mean, Chris Matthews was there. He got the ball. But it was really the Green Bay guy, Bostich or whatever his name was. Tight end. That yeah. blew Brandon it. Brandon Bostich, I mean, yeah, he blew it. Because right, he was supposed to block, and the guy right behind mm-hmm. him was uh, – what's-his-face, the receiver um, mm-hmm. for them. And then he would have caught it for sure. So Boss no, is definitely. just, and he, they cut him right after that, didn't they? He was cut. I was like, just going to say, I was just going to add weeks in. Later. Here's another guy that never played one other down <laughs> in football after the Seahawks came through town. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? That ruined his, that oh, ended yeah. his career. They cut him, and he never got picked up? Yep. Oh, man, that's brutal. That's that brutal. Is, that game, that game is like such an incredible odds defeating game. And it's like, it's probably one of the games that, like, makes you always have a kernel in your mind that will never count out the Seahawks. And, and even going through some of these um, highlights tonight, Cam Chancellor punching out the ball on the one-yard line of some oh, other guy. You know, and then yeah. somebody Earl knocking Thomas it out the back. Earl yeah. Thomas has done that, too. Earl Thomas has done that. There's been so many games that we've won in the last 
or the last quarter for sure, but even the last drive, like I just the have curse this, catches all the curse catches. Yeah. The one where there was like offsides or something, and he still just bombs it to Curse yeah, and catches the down. touchdown. That was incredible. That was an um, NFC championship. Yeah, fourth mm-hmm. down. Yeah. I just feel like then, I, have the, the I have this kernel in my heart. In the Super Bowl. Yeah. I have this kernel That's in my heart that will never. That three episodes ago. It will never <laughs> cut, cut out this. It will never give the Seahawks. Uh, I will never count them out. I, even yeah. when I try. Even when I try and I go, there's no way that they have any chance, even this last season when it wasn't like a great season or anything, I still believed and they still came back a, a bunch. And was then when they le- don't, it- it's like, you can obviously pin it on a guy. You can be like, no, oh, Kristen Michael screwed it up. That's why we lost that fourth quarter comeback. You know, it's like, it's some oh, guy that, that they, oh. it's some guy that they so, just like don't have anymore. I have a, I have a question for Centaur while he's here. I want to get, it's not something I was listening to on sports radio. I was kind of thinking about is. You know, we we are currently in the last couple seasons. We're comparing Russell Wilson to Brady, you know, Peyton Manning, but when he was still there, uh, the best quarterbacks. You know, whatever, even guys like Matt Ryan, I guess, or whatever. But but more of those top MVP guys, Drew Brees. So my question though is that he's only in year like six, and those guys are all ten or plus, right? You know, and so I guess my well, something I've been wondering about today. Is is what is Russell at ten years gonna look like, or you know what is the eleven year Russell Wilson look like? Because he's ahead of their paces, all of them for wins and stuff. Mm-hmm. And the game's Before- a little different now than it was, yeah, when they started. Um, I think I think it all hinges on uh, his legs, and is he still going to be a mobile quarterback ten years out? Which I don't think we can count on, unfortunately. Um, if if he's got it, I, I think he'll always have kind of the eyes in the back of his head, you know, being able to detect when the rush is coming and to be maneuverable yeah. and but pirouette, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But but is is he going to turn and bust it for thirty yards uh, on kind of a impromptu naked bootleg? No, I, I think those days are gone. But can he scramble and get out gone. five yards? I, mean, I think he's got another no, no, year, yeah, too. No, no, yeah, they're still here. Excuse me. But I, I don't 10 think they'll be there 10 years mark. from now. Yeah, yeah 10 or 11 years. Oh, 10. No, yeah, 10. yeah, thanks, thanks, Chisler. Um, but, yeah, will yeah. he be able to scramble five yards and look down the field and have his, his head up and make good decisions? I think I think he'll always have that, and I think he'll have a long um, the way he Hall, extends Hall plays. of Fame career. I think, he, I think he's got a Hall of Fame career ahead of him if he stays now, healthy. The, 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 I know uh, – P, you watched a lot of older football like I did, but uh, the guy I compare his career to, or the guy I think he needs to emulate the career of, is Steve Young. Steve Young was a very, very mobile. He's like the mobilest white quarterback ever. He was my favorite uh, he, back in the day. Oh, he yeah. was so good running the ball, and then he was but, awesome but then the right? legs, the legs <laughs> went out, and he. And he <laughs> He became a pocket passer, really. Well, see, I don't think it was his legs. He was playing concussion ball, like, in the heyday. And that is true. He took he, huge shots. Oh, God. He's and talked he, about it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he had yeah. Hor- horrific concussions. And and that was his style of play back then. Like, if a quarterback got out of the pocket and started to run, you just said, all right. You just um, killed I'm gonna, him. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to aim for, you know, for his prefrontal cortex and see if I can make <laughs> him a vegetable. And that was, like, yeah. <laughs> that was a legit play. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Remember, like Monday Night Football, the helmets would like bat, like, like welcome to Monday Night Football. <laughs> yeah. uh, didn't the coaches like give you an extra thousand dollars if you did send somebody to oh, the hospital and stuff like well, that? Like ESPN, ESPN had a segment called Jacked Up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I love Jacked Up. That was like three years ago. That yeah. wasn't even that long. Ago. And like Herm Edwards would be like Jacked Up, and you know, yeah. some guys, yeah, yeah it, now, now uh, it got replaced with Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> Authors, now it, he hits him in the head. Come on, man. Well, I agree. I I think he's gonna continue to be a quarterback who can extend plays. I think yeah. that's his his truest magic. Isn't even the games, you know. He had that game 300 yards passing, 100 yards rushing or whatever, and he was like mm-hmm. the first first person to ever do that or something. But 
But I think those games are gone. I think 100 yards rushing is probably gone, although I think in episode two I called that like twice during the season <laughs> as my predictions. But but uh, that, those might be realistically gone. But I think that his his wizardry of, of making a play go 12 seconds could stay. Yeah. What about yeah. this question if, then, to follow up on that? Do you think he has some sort of scandal that – Destroys his public image in the, <laughs> inside. Uh, Tiger Woods. I love, in the I next love how you're always on that. Years. Yeah, it's great. I love it. Uh, I don't. I I think he's a robot. I don't. I think. I think a eleven year veteran Russell Wilson is going to be from that standpoint, from like a media personality standpoint. I think he'll be the exact same dude he is now. He'll have kids. That'll be the difference. I think the scandal will be that he actually is a robot. They're going to find that. Out. <laughs> <laughs> Or that he's been doing like, some sort of crazy futuristic drug that makes his body the way that it is. That's undetectable, <laughs> undetectable like he, futuristic steroid. He'd been hanging out with Will Smith, and he was actually in AI. He was one of the kids in there. <laughs> yeah, he, he could be an alien. That's true. Yeah. Let's let's segue actually a little bit into like I mean we'll, let's let's stay with the Hawks, but now let's go into Pete Carroll. Like I, I know last episode we brushed up a little bit on on Ooh. our. And Pete we trust, Pete and Snyder we trust, and Krusty's definitely, I think Krusty thought it was the best draft of all time. I think he made that clear a few times. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't like third be, best or be. fourth best. Of course, it was hyperbole extreme for best draft ever. Yeah, whatever. Okay. When I was listening back, I, I didn't actually realize while we were doing it, but when I listened to the playback at the gym, I was like, Krusty, you definitely wanted to keep drilling it into Chisler's mind that he was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a debater. I can't help it. I love it. Like, no, no, I, I'm just saying, I don't think so. Um, Centaur, what do you, how do you feel about, what's the grade you're giving Pete Carroll right hey, now? Hey, wait, wait, wait. So, well, show of hands, quick quest, quick quiz, who has read Win Forever, Pete Carroll's book? Not me. Nope. I, I, read, I read about a third of it. It's a really well, that good book. that explains okay. your guys' success. <laughs> Krusty read a third of a book? That's actually incredible. I, I, listen, yeah. I listen to it on audiobook. Solo, that's what we're doing wrong, man. <laughs> yeah. I, I read it when I was unemployed. <laughs> here's the best. Everybody, here's the best part. I was is losing I, I forever at that point. I visited Chisler many times in Seattle, and, and he was like, oh, dude, you got to get this book, Win Forever, and he had it on the shelf. And I'm about ready to leave on tour or something, and I'm like, dude, can I take the book? He's like, no. <laughs> I got to read it You wouldn't again. let me take the book. I got to reread it. It's dog-eared yeah. and highlighted. He had it next to his bed. He like Before he goes to bed, he reads some inspirational quotes out of it every I night. I just read, it yeah. up, goes to bed. I read chapter one, verse one. <laughs> it's like my Bible, you know? Okay, but seriously, Centaur, but aside from not have, having read his, his book, how do you grade him right now? Um, still very high. I'm not down on Pete right. at all. I think you look at what he's been given, you know, last year in terms of the offensive line and some of the depth in the roster. You know, I hurt I have, I have no, Russell too. Yeah, been and, given. And, and injuries. I, and I, 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 I have struggle no with, with that. the job he's doing. What do you yeah. mean, been given? He's yeah, chooses I, I, these guys. I agree, Chisler. He's the he's the dude, man. It's he has the final call on every single player they get. He's not been given anything. He's he's choosing. Do you know he's, that for sure, Christy? Does does he have final call? Do you know I that do. for sure? I do, and here's how. Oh, when shit. I worked, in, no, no. Listen to this story. Listen to this story. When I was in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and we're and doing the job that I do, which you guys know. Yep. I had a friend, like like a family, like goes to his house for Thanksgiving. Friend of John Schneider because he's from Green Bay. And keep in mind that Green Bay is a small town. It's yep. a hundred thousand people, smaller yep. than Spokane. Uh that he laid it all out for me. He like we talked about it for like two hours next to a campfire. What's his name? I don't remember his <laughs> name. <laughs> okay. So you talked to some guy at a drunken Thanksgiving but he was party. And who, and at first no, he I mean of, I think it's totally true. They say it all the time. It may not be final say, but they all have final say. But it's all a collective decision, I think. 
And there's no decision that he's given players. He always has a hand in the players. That's all I, I would agree. Say. I would yeah. agree. Well, that's the point of being a head coach. Yeah, you're going to have, I guess you are going to, someone has to take the fall at the end. They're not going to be able to blame But I interrupted else. your point. Your point was, you know, get back to it. Me or Yeah, centaurs. No, Cressy has never had a point. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, there centaur, hasn't dude. been a point ever. Go ahead. I think I interrupted, actually. <laughs> no, so no. I, I, you did. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm satisfied with the job Pete Carroll's done. Um, you know, it's, it's a byproduct of how the league works and the salary cap, and they've had some roster attrition, and the roster's been weak the last two years on the back end and they haven't had the depth that they've been accustomed to. And again, part of it's, you know, paying Russell Wilson and paying some other yeah. guys. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, they haven't had depth in the defensive line and secondary. The offensive line has been a disaster and I don't think you can put that on Pete. I think, you know, given what he's had and, and what they've done on the field the last few years and, and, you know, winning the division, making the playoffs. Uh, what is it? Five years in a row. Yeah, mm-hmm. we can fact check that. Um, six. What, 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 I think what it's more, six. What, yeah, I mean, what, what? Seven. What more do you want? <laughs> no, and even well, when you say it's like been a disaster, it's like oh, every other team would love our disaster. By the right, way, exactly. <laughs> you know, we have such an incredible standard that we hold these people to. I mean, they're making other- it deep into the playoffs, if not, you know. Only the, the Patriots. Bowl. I mean, yeah. they're literally only the Patriots. When, when Every other the, team would trade you for your players. When you look at the you know 2013 draft, and it's like, oh, we got Luke Wilson, and that's it. You know, still on the roster to show for it. You got the 2014 draft, and you know Justin Britt, who was shitty at tackle, shitty at guard, and now decent at center. And you know that's kind of what we have to show for it. You got the 15 draft, and hey, Lockett <clears> and Clark look great. So, you know, and 16 is, you know, yet to be determined. And now we've got the 17 draft. And I there's some guys I like. There's some guys I, I'm kind of questioning. And that's mainly on Schneider, as far as I'm concerned. <coughs> See, I think, I think offensively I agree other than Lockett. But defensively, I think 15 and 16 were really good drafts. I think Jaron Reed's going to be awesome. I think Frank Hart's going to be awesome. Like, I think that little blend of 15-16 and now this year's defensive lineman blend, I think they're rebuilding that defensive line. And to your point, I think the biggest thing was when we won the Super Bowl, they were the youngest team to ever win the Super Bowl. They were just young. They didn't have to pay anybody anything. I think that is the biggest difference. He just can't get the free agents that they should, maybe. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, they just they have to pay Russell and Sherm and Cam, and you know what I mean? I, they should have kept Bruce Irvin, in my opinion. I love Bruce Irvin, and I think they should have kept him. But they just—it's a money issue. Once you start paying guys, I mean, there's so many high-paid players on the Seahawks right now. If, there's something's going to have to suffer, and obviously, it's our O-line and our secondary. And they still were able to somehow put a season together that was fun to watch. I mean, ultimately, we want to win, but we got to watch it all the way to where you basically can't watch anymore, except for the Super Bowl, right? I mean. That's all you can really ask for, besides from aside from winning it. But and most of that I mean, last year is on Russell's injury. It's not on coaches or other people's injury. It's on Russell's injury that we didn't score enough points. I mean, half the time, I think the defense was oh yeah. this defense was really good. Still, I mean, it's top, I, I agree it's with top Centaur. Five. It was it was a depth issue. I agree. Centaur really? is one hundred percent right. You just you just started off saying you weren't you didn't agree with him. <laughs> no, I just mean no 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 no. I mean the last I think the last two uh I think the last two drafts were really good for defense, but mostly defense it was a it was a uh corner and safeties depth issue is what screwed us, in my opinion. And linebacker. Well, well I mean look look at the line with what they started with. They had, you know, Bradley Sowell at left tackle as a starter. Demarcus uh-huh. Webb at right tackle as a starter. You know they're not back, and and Jamarcus Webb got cut midway through the year. Yeah, Effetti, um, who was their first round pick, you know looked okay at times and struggled at times. And hey, that's a rookie, but you know didn't come out and dominate. And his future is uncertain. Um, Fant, who was an undrafted free agent that made the team, and you know at times looked okay, but still he's a converted basketball player. I mean, th- oh yeah, there's there's a ton of 
you know, he sucks at offensive line. He's I, that's well documented on this podcast. They're <laughs> terrible at offensive line. They can't do it. Yeah, they should just sign just free agents. They, that I mean, that's the solution, right? Just stop drafting linemen and just dra- and just sign free agents because you yeah. suck at drafting. They can't do it. You're right. Well, and, and when Chandler. they when they won the Super Bowl, they had the highest paid offensive line in the league. Yeah, you're right. And that's they did. They that's did. where they spent their Russell money. Russell had and he had so much time back there. If you look at those highlights, I was watching some of them. I'm like, he had like days back there. It was incredible. And they were, but then you had to pay him. But then you had to pay him. And there goes yeah, like he was three making offensive like, linemen. He was making like three hundred thousand dollars or something <laughs> like that. It was crazy. <laughs> But, okay, so let's look at what's happened, though, right? So he came in, Pete came in, and he had he cleaned house. He brought in these young guys. He got them to the Super Bowl. And now we're in a different phase of the team. Is he going to be successful at rebuilding the team? <clears throat> I don't know that I think he will be as successful at rebuilding the team. I kind of feel like my... my uh, my take on him right now is that he's losing the locker room. The guys are over his baloney, his, <laughs> his compete, compete, compete philosophy. Having just watched every rookie come out of minicamp and say, oh, well, it's great. We come in and compete. We come in and compete. Yeah, I just watched that. Think too. if you were a veteran there who's been there seven years or six years under Pete and these new guys come in and they get brainwashed and they try and take your jobs and you know you're better than them. You're proven and they're going to make a decision. That's a money decision. They're going to bench you. They're going to send you away like this. All this drama with Sherman, like it's all Pete's philosophy coming back to bite him in the ass. I've said that before, but it in this I'm saying it in a different way this time his his um if i were a seven-year vet under this compete 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 philosophy i would be totally checked out his his mantra is old his mantra does not work when you've been hearing it for seven years and it might pick up these young guys but the old guys aren't gonna be loving it and you know they might want to retire or see what some other coach says and just play the game as a professional and not have it be what he puts it on. He puts it on like he's raising young men in some ways. I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I'm crazy in saying that, but there's like something else going on there with his like whole philosophy. And I think the older guys just want to come and play football. They have a routine. They work out like, you know, they saw how Marshawn did it. And that's probably the biggest cancer that's ever going to affect the Seahawks is how the, Se- how the Seahawks treated Marshawn, which was he did his work in Oakland. He came to the training camp late. He didn't practice <clears throat> until Wednesday, and he played the game hard. And they saw, oh, you can do that if you're really good. And they, You know, you know, you really know, you know who else did that? You know who did that way before Marshawn Lynch? Joey Galloway. Walter Jones. <laughs> well, he, held out every, you. he held out of he every ne- training camp. He, he never came to training camp. Not one. And he's a unanimous Hall of Famer. Right. <laughs> so it's obviously so you don't need to do that. Be a, yeah, so, you've got to be a Hall of Famer, and then you don't have to come to training camp. Well, I'm saying the older guys get into a <clears throat> figure out a professional routine where they don't need to hear all his jibber-jabber all the time, and they don't need that to be motivated. I mean, it's a little bit childish. Right. I bet you there's a lot of I bet you like a lot of it is on the surface, though, like uh, Pete, like talks to Sherman. It's like, look, you know, this is for the younger guys. You you keep doing your thing. This is how it's going to be, though. You know, I can see that. I can see. Him yeah, being I feel like that's like he's got to motivate younger guys. And, but they are they are competing for spots. But I bet you they know. I think they they're professionals. They know what's going on. Like the Pete's running a system. He's a face of the of this of Seattle. I mean, people think it's Russell, but I almost think it's more Pete than anybody as far as like how that the the image of that team um but i think that when you have younger guys coming in and they they are like 21 22 years old they're they're kids that he needs to shape them up into a into a soldier basically you know he wants them to be themselves but at the same time it's like 
you still have to fight for that position each each week. That's how he does it. They don't like you're not given the position. Although you know that Richard's going to start every week, he's not going to be like, dude, you better compete this week because you might not start on on Sunday. That's not how it's going for him, dude. I, I don't even know about that. I think they might send a message this year with something really weird like that. I feel like they might send a message that says, oh, this young guy, even though, like Fant, even though he's not great, like they feel like he has potential, and he got the starting gig over people who do this, you know, for other teams regularly or had done it regularly for other teams. I don't know. I feel like they make examples of of uh, giving the guy the job who works the hardest sometimes, like with the whole Rudy Rudiger kind of philosophy and it's a little weird to me. Yeah, that's an interesting point. What do you, I mean? What do we, I think we do? We have to hear what Krusty says. <laughs> I've already said plenty, but I but I'll just take it in a, in a different a different way for a very short amount of time. For very short amount. Of time. I think the fascinating thing for me right now this this peak currently. I think he's a Hall of Famer. I think he. What he's done in Seattle has been incredible. I agree with Centaur. You just can't argue with the results. No, I mean, they've we all been, do. We all do. They've been badass, just badass and, and amazing. Um, and I love, I personally just love, it's my favorite type of football, defense and running the ball. Like, it's just, it, that's what I want to do. And uh, it's what I want for my team. So boring to watch. But I don't care. Not for me. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Um but um, but the crazy part to me is that he's the oldest coach in the NFL. That's and true. yet keep that you know think about the age difference between him and those rookies. <clears throat> you know it's it's insane that he can do that childish thing with them. It's insane that he can be the player coach to dudes who are how old is he? He's in his late 60s. 65. Yeah, so they're, they're 67. Yeah. They're 40 yeah. years younger than him. You know, 47 years younger than him, something like that, whatever. Yeah. And and he Well, they're not 12, but And he connect what well, what is No, that'd be 20. He connects with them in such an insane way that while yes, it may grade on the veterans, <clears throat> I just find it fascinating that he can do it with the younger ones. Because we've never seen an old coach that was that kind of coach, have we? I don't think so. I don't know that we've seen a coach like him at all, to be honest. Like, not in the NFL, at least. He really brings a unique philosophy and uh, demeanor, which I'll fall back on and agree with both of you all. Even though I feel like he is losing the locker room, the, the energy and the demeanor and the way that he overall talks about his players and talks about the city and just has like a real mindfulness about it all is the thing that makes me think he's amazing. You know, if I had a teacher, if I had a coach, if I had a professor or, you know, a mentor or anybody who was like that, Oh man, I would hold on to it. I've I've never had anybody who really just, I don't know, just like was all about bringing you up, you know? I don't Making know. Making you yeah. your best. Yeah. Being yeah, positive. Being it, is, it is crazy. He doesn't let Not his coaches negative. say anything negative. It's it's weird. It's it's actually really hard to be positive. Trust me. It's like, oh, I mean, yeah. I know we all very negative, but when, when I'm on the road and it's like everything's starting to feel shitty all the time, it's so easy to complain. It's actually hard to not complain and be positive. That actually takes energy, whereas being negative and hating is so easy. It's like almost fun. It's purposeful. <laughs> yeah, he, he comes yeah. with a purpose every time that you know I've ever seen him to the practice field, to the podium, to the you know whatever. Yeah, it's amazing. He is an incredible human being. Let's just say that we should all read his book. Centaur, Centaur. Uh, we talked about this last episode, but while you're here, I want what what's your grade on Tom Cable? Uh, I'll say C plus B minus somewhere okay, in there. Yeah. Where yeah. where in the relationship to the other guys? You know the coach, the offensive coordinator. You know some of those other people. Where do you put him in relationship? Um, so when I when I think of Cable, 
Um, supposedly he has a lot of fingerprints on the, the guys they draft and the guys they keep. And so, you know, he loved Justin Britt because he was a wrestler and, you know, saw all, all this moxie in him or, or whatever. And uh, so, so as a talent evaluator, um, it's, it's a very mixed record. Um, there it's a terrible some, record. Well, it's a I mean, terrible so record. Th- there have been some late round, you know, the J.R. Sweezy's of the world where, you know, throwaway picks in the seventh round that, that – He's turned into guys that get a second contract in the NFL and play sure. a serviceable um, offensive guard. So, so there is that, and there's there's guys that he pulls off the street as undrafted free agents and are serviceable. Sure. But when you look at the the James Carpenters and the Justin Brits and the the high draft picks, the Effetis, you know, who's it's a little premature to judge him, but you know he's been given some bona fide talent and hasn't done much with them. And, you know, the Max Unger they inherited, and unfortunately they shipped him away. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm unconvinced that, you know, Ethan Posick, you know, their second-round pick is, is going to live up to his potential under Cable. I, I, I hope I'm wrong, but the track record isn't there. So I, I think he's serviceable, but um, <clears throat> as, as an evaluator of, of guys, and he's, he's been instrumental on who they brought in, the results haven't been. There. Oh, they blow him up, right? Every time they're like, "Oh, Cable loves this guy." You know, Cable had this as his number one guy, and blah. He said we had to have this guy or else. You yeah. know, blah blah. Yeah. We hear that crap from them all the time. The interesting thing I will say is that of all the positions on the field, you can't be a good offensive lineman as a rookie. I mean, it's 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 almost impossible. You know. Well, think and- of the guys on the other side of the ball. That's yeah. the that's the craziest part. They literally have oh. no job except for to run full speed at the quarterback and take his head off. You know, like that's an impossible task if you can't grab him. <laughs> 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 I mean, you literally can't grab people. Like it's insane what their their job is really just to be a a hurdle or a obstacle that slows you down for a little bit of an amount of time. Not only that, they're going up against guys that like they have much more experience doing that, and that's what they're doing. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, you look. You look though. I mean, they've they've led the league in rushing, um, absent the last two years. But during the Lynch days, they were among the league leaders in rushing yards. So he was able to take what he was given and and deliver a a, a good product on the field in terms of the rushing game. It hasn't been there lately, and and the draft picks haven't helped them. So. See, I'm no, I'm more no. of a fire Tom Cable guy than I am a fire bevel guy. I mean, I I think you could probably throw all the twelves into a two piles, a fire bevel or a fire Tom <laughs> Cable pile, and yeah. I'm, I'm definitely in the cable pile. But at the end of the day, I don't think either of them deserve to be fired because yeah. we're also again to kind of put perspective on things with. With these no talent clowns, it seems like we get to the Super Bowl, we get to the playoffs, we get deep into the playoffs. Yeah. Like, you know, what are we really so fired up about? You know, like our, our standards are out of to control. Have fun. They're way out of control. I mean, being a, 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 a just a Seattle sports fan my entire life, to have a team like the Seahawks was totally unfathomable. Growing up, was it was never even in my uh, radar that we'd have a team this good, right? We never even thought. I mean, they're a national team. I see people around Brooklyn wearing Seahawks jerseys and hats. It's like crazy. They're like huge now. It's not like I mean, they're nowhere near. I mean, they're the Mariners are nowhere near that type of like fame. To yeah. I mean, they're horrible. They're not even. They're, yeah, they're this. They're not even on that like level of the Seahawks. I mean, we have Sherman. I mean, Sherman is like a star. I mean, he's huge. Like people love him. They don't even. You know what's crazy is even like every year I go down to Australia around, usually around fall and 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 usually around playoffs. I'm there. I've been in. I've been in Australia the last three years for playoffs and all that. And there are huge fans in New Zealand for the Seattle Seahawks. They love them down there. And that blows my mind. I see jerseys down there on the street. They love it. And I never thought that would happen growing up, that there would just be – it would be a worldwide phenomenon. It's pretty amazing. Well, there was a time when, like, the Seahawks had, like, five of the top ten selling jerseys in the NFL. 
Oh, yeah. And it was Lynch, Sherman, uh-huh. Russell Wilson, you know, yep. the 12 jersey and Earl Thomas or Chancellor or whoever, yeah. you know. Let's try to end this on a, I don't know, something interesting. You got any uh, side notes here, Chisler? Any, well, uh, I fun did. facts? Okay. A little funny story. Maybe not. Uh, maybe a little personal, but. So my nephew was in T-ball last year, and I just went to his first coaches pitch game this year. The -hmm. difference between T-ball and coaches pitch is like night and day. I had no idea. T-ball, every single player on the team got to hit. Not a single out was ever made all season. (laughs) Or recorded, yeah. (laughs) Or recorded, yeah. They all bat, and then the (laughs) inning's over. (laughs) It was, the game always went, 65 minutes or something like that because it was like clockwork like now and you're just watching it like oh man this is some weak play well the funnest <laughs> part of the whole season was the day they chose their team name but i, I won't even go into that story oh i remember that story yeah <laughs> but uh so this, like ninja all-stars or something <laughs> this year it's coach's pitch and um the coach throws a regular hard baseball yeah the guys have to hit it out of the air there's three outs <clears throat> like on on my nephew's team. Only four or five guys would get to bat because the other team was throwing them out at first base constantly, which was incredible to just watch in the year this amount change. But uh, the, the craziest part was seeing my nephew put on the catcher's outfit. Right. So every, between every inning or whatever, some new kid got to be catcher. So they like put on the shoes, put on the leg shin pads the thigh pads the chest protector the helmet with the face mask and then he was like the coach would always go you want to try the catcher's mitt and all the kids were like yeah of course and then he pulls out this (laughs) 40 pound donut looking thing that like they tried to put their hand in it they couldn't even figure out how to get their hand in it the right way and then they couldn't hold it so they were all be like no But he walked like the Tin Man. It took him 15 minutes to walk from the dugout to the catcher's <laughs> position. And then after every single at-bat, <clears throat> like the pitcher would throw it, or the coach would throw it, the guy would either hit it or uh, miss it. And my nephew would have to walk over, and it would take six minutes with these little baby steps. And then he would have to crouch down vertically and pick up the ball and then walk back. And it slowed the whole game down. It's like, this is why baseball is terrible. <laughs> Even in coach's pitch, it took like 75 minutes for the You were still bored. It's basically why, like watching the Mariners bullpen right now. Yeah, You're exactly. Like, it's funny that you brought that up because like my friend, uh, my friend's son just started that same, that same league where it's like uh, the coach's pitch. And she put on Facebook the other day. She was like, look, it's his first hit. And she had that on video. His first hit. And I'm watching the video. You're like E6. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, no, he hits the ball. He hits the ball. It goes back to the pitcher. He throws it to first, and he's out. And they, she, he clearly gets there, and they're like, out. And he runs back to the dugout. And I commented. I was like, well, that's cool that he hit the ball, but technically that wasn't a hit. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was his first contact. <laughs> That's what she should have said. First contact. I was really, really upset about that. <laughs> you you're, you're no, dealt yeah. that, right, so Santar? You're, you're spot on. And what's amazing <laughs> is all the things that get counted as hits when it really should yeah. be, oh, that's an E6 right there. <laughs> yeah. You know, that went through the shortstop's legs. And, yes, you reach first base cleanly, but, no, you should have been out by a mile. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all the fielder's is choices, it? all the your errors. I mean, yeah, so – I will say after the game, like I was messing with my nephew a little bit and I realized maybe I'm kind of a bad uncle. I don't know. But <laughs> I like I like to get into get in his head a little bit. So I was telling him that I would um, give him ten dollars if he read all of Wikipedia. Because <laughs> he started to read now and he reads everything. He reads all the signs, he reads this or that or whatever. So I was like, Yeah, I'll give you 10 bucks. And 10 bucks to him is like a two million, you know. So yeah. he's like, Oh, sweet. But same with Krusty. I said, Come Read on. all of <laughs> <laughs> True statement. True statement. I said, Read all of Wikipedia. <laughs> but what he doesn't know is I got editing rights on that thing. <laughs> <laughs> 
He was all day uh, game for it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a never-ending story there, buddy. Tap, tap, tap. <laughs> save, 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 save. Well, I think it's safe to say we can call this episode a wrap. I know Krusty just got back on. But... <laughs> oh, that's all right. I'm sorry. So, guys. Centaur, Centaur, what do you have to say about living in Krusty's world like Solo and I have been for the last <laughs> few episodes? Oh my God! It's a it's a foghorn that just blares <laughs> nonsensical sports rants at you, and you just try and get out of the way of them, and then jump back. You know, when the traffic's clear. No, thank you guys. <laughs> Thank you guys for having me on. Um, I was I was going to get into a, into a quick story. I was at lunch today. I'm in, I live in Spokane, and Mark Few, coach of Gonzaga, was at the same place as we are. And I tried to get my oh, son, who's snap. 11, to go up to him and just say, "Coach Few, great season. I'm going to be no, I'm going to be your point guard in eight years. You start yeah. clearing scholarship <laughs> room right now. <laughs> Anyone do it? <laughs> oh, that's awesome." That actually brings me back to like my my play with Chris Matthews. I read somewhere, I don't know if it's true or not, that he was actually like gunning to work for uh, to to play for Pete Carroll that he'd given his him his tape years before. Oh yeah. And he was the one who had caught that he who yeah. got that onside recovery. So I was like, oh, that's an interesting story. Well, he had, he had a couple of Super huge Bowl plays. Yeah, he had a couple yeah. of huge plays yeah. that year, yeah. That Super Bowl catch was awesome. What happened yeah. to him? I mean, obviously he got <clears throat> cut or whatever. We got to you know, make room for the Tanner McAvoy's of the world, and <laughs> <laughs> he definitely went to another team. Which is just the next team. Chris Matthews, right? I mean, right? Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he he went to right. another team for sure. He he played they, in the league again. They want to be young as a team. To and that, I mean, it seems like to me they've just they've kind of always wanted to be young, and so I think they cycle guys out that probably could stick on a lot of teams, just because they're trying to stay younger. That was going to be my point to uh, one of Centaur's points earlier was um, we don't have the greatest backups the last few years because they're all playing starters on other teams. <laughs> they're yeah. all they're all starters <laughs> on other teams. I mean, we've had to That's get true. rid of so many guys that have careers and coaches just, too, and coaches too. Yeah, it's I mean, like the YouTube was like the backup, you know, placeholder coach or so. You know, he wasn't even. A defensive yeah. coordinator. He was several rungs below that, and through attrition. <laughs> yeah, right. That dude that went to the Raiders, the Dan Quinn. Who else? Gus, Gus Bradley. Gus Bradley. Yeah. Norton. Yeah, that's the guy who went to the Raiders. Kid Norton. Oh yeah, Jr. that's right. Yeah. Well, that's a good segue because now that we brought in Centaur, we can start thinking about Krusty's job on this podcast. So, <laughs> oh, you're to get younger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Seriously, guys, you'll have my job when I quit. That's uh, that's for sure. All right, thanks, guys. Yeah, right, thanks, guys. We'll talk soon. Good job. All right.